Welcome to another Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. EastEnders might have run out of episodes in the lockdown, but we've a treat for you today because we've a bumper Distinct Nostalgia soap programme, remembering the show back in the 90s. MIM's Ashley Byrne has brought together Mark Homer and Andrew Linford, who played Tony Hills and Simon Raymond in the show in the mid-1990s. They've been talking candidly about joining the soap, playing the show's first bisexual storyline, and what it was like to work with some of EastEnders' most iconic characters. If you're an Enders fan, you'll really enjoy this. God, I can't believe it's uh, not the 1990s and it's 20-odd years ago uh, since um, Andrew Linford was playing Simon uh, and Mark Homer was uh, playing Tony Hills in uh, EastEnders. Uh, welcome, guys. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us on Distinct Nostalgia. Grief, I mean, just first of all, yeah, I mean, Andrew, can you believe it's 20-odd years ago or 25 years ago, isn't it, since you first starred in EastEnders? Uh, it is a long time ago. <laughs> and it's lovely that you guys want to talk to us about it. Yes, I mean, the time has gone by, uh, you know, so quickly in some respects. Um, that it almost feels like a different lifetime ago. If ever I do happen to see a clip or a photograph, I do think, who's that young person doing that exciting job? Um, but in some ways, it does seem like yesterday as well, um, because it was obviously such a very big and important part of my life, and I know Mark's life as well, that it's also vivid. So it is, it is kind of right there. And... Um, you know, I think your life sort of falls into before EastEnders and after EastEnders in some in some ways. So um, yeah, it's it, it, it is a while ago, but it's it's something that still seems quite quite fresh in in our memories. I think. Well, I was talking uh, to Gary Hales, who of course uh, played one of the gay characters which preceded you, but ten years before, of course, with Colin and Barry. And Barry. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And um, he was saying, you know, what he always he, he looks back at it all the time, and he thinks to himself. He couldn't believe the furore that there was at the time about playing gay characters, and that was in the 1980s. But even in the 1990s, if I remember rightly, Mark, there was still some backlash about your storylines, wasn't there? Even though we were in much more accepting times by that point. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. 25 years ago, uh, wow, we was in totally a totally different climate and TV. Um, I remember when the, the Blackpool episodes, I'm sure we'll go on to speak about those, but when they came out, um, there was, you know, on the tabloids, front page of the tabloids, it was like, get this scum off our TV and things like that. Just horrendous stuff. And thank God that we're here now. And we, you know, you, you it, it was kind of the start of, of a big thing, really. And we're I don't know about Andrew. I'm sure he's the same. I'm privileged to be involved in in storylines like that. I really am. Yeah, I mean, I like think that. it is. It does seem like a different different time and different era. Um, and I think you know people always kind of refer to what we were doing as like the gay storyline. Really, it was a bisexual storyline, really, because it was it was as much as I hate to say this, it was really kind of Tony's story. You know that I uh, my character. Um, obviously became part of and then you know other stories then started to, to develop but you know it was it was really the first time a young bisexual male character had been on any mainstream program and the kind of confusion aspect and then of course because it was brilliantly you know set up in the way it was written that he kind of left the bombshell of the show 
for her her brother character, you know, made it all the more kind of like soap soap sensation type thing. Um, but alongside that, there was a serious kind of you know theme and a message that obviously was was really important that it was on on the telly in nineteen ninety five ninety six um, when that had never really been explored before. I, I was I, I was a bit upset about the the the, the reaction to to some of of it. You know the the Blackpool um, kiss on on the pier <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> very cold, very freezing. Um, but I, just just the reaction on, on some of the the tabloids and things like that because you know it was a culmination of of, of about uh, a, a good year's worth of storyline and. Uh, people were sort of making the, the kiss like a, a really big thing and that, that it, it shouldn't be as long. It got cut down. I mean, it, I think the kiss was about nine seconds and it got, got cut down to about half a second. Was that your wishful thinking it was nine? Or maybe, maybe ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but the point was, in that same episode, my, my sister was spiked. Uh, her drink was spiked. Um, there was violence. There was punches on the beach, and you know, all sorts of things that that go on in in uh, soap. But um, none none of that got picked up at all. It was just it was all about this 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 kiss, um, which was frustrating. But do you know what? <laughs> I get so many people talking about Blackpool. It's it's unbelievable. It's 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 really special. And I know, and Andrew's probably the same. Um, I do every now and again get people come up to me and say because of the, those storylines i came out to my parents and 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 that is just a very special thing to be involved in i'm going to mention this later and come back to the bisexual thing but i'll mention it now um mm. because it's personal as well it, it, it had a mm. big effect on my life your character in particular had a huge effect on my life because i was a 20 what 23 24 year old budding journalist and of course, Tony okay. was a was was a newspaper reporter, wasn't he? he? Was, so there was yes, a yeah. attachment <laughs> connection there. Um, and also, I was I was bisexual, and um, you know, it, it, it was as 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 Andrew said, it was the first time really bisexuality, as it were, had been tackled on in soap. What I find mm. quite sad about it, though, was it, and still to this day, we've got a problem with it. People don't tend to refer to it in the soaps as bisexual. Everyone thinks as gay or straight. But having said that, that's probably yeah. a reflection of real life. Because I can still mm. say to people in my family now, I'm, I'm bisexual, and they they think, oh no, no, you're just gay, you know, because I'm in a gay relationship. It's like, oh, you must be just right. gay, you're just gay. Um, but yes. I thought Tony, I thought your depiction of Tony was so realistic, and the fact that it wasn't, you know, I think I think certain elements of the gay community felt as though Simon and Tony were a little bit sort of, I don't know, um, just you know, you, you, in, in some respects, you were too normal, as it were, and some people people because there was a bit of backlash, wasn't there, from elements of the gay community who thought that. But I thought you were. I thought you were really real. I thought it was excellent. So there you go. That's my. There's my feedback. <laughs> well, thank you. I, 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 and that's what we were going for. We were going for reality, and we was going for. Uh, I mean, you know, when I first came onto the the, the square, I was like, um, you know, trying to beat people up and trying to, you know, just to tear away, really. Um, and um, I, which was good, which was fine. Uh, but about I don't know six months into into my contract, uh, I got called up into the office and uh, the storyline office. I believe it was Jake Lushington at the time, and we, we we chatted about where we we saw Tony going, and he and he he literally sort of asked me how I would feel about this bisexual storyline, and 
I was like a bit nonplussed, really. I was like, <laughs> do, do I have a choice? <laughs> I mean, of course I want to do this. I mean, at the moment, I'm just like ordering pints from the Queen Vic. <laughs> yeah, completely, I want to do this. I was a bit confused why, I, you know, it was respect, I suppose. But it's like, um, yeah, I, I thought I was a bit surprised at being asked whether it would be okay because I was like, I was an actor and that's what you, you you know just throw any storyline at me and and I'll I'll go with it but this it was a very special thing to be uh, a very special storyline and it's it's resonated with so many people which is isn't really nice well it definitely resonated with me now just going back let's so for anybody who's listening who who remembers your characters but can't quite work out where you you fitted i mean i'm a huge eastenders fan and i still to this day sit on the couch sometimes and say to my partner who? Why are they related? Are they related to so and so? Where does that, where does that person <laughs> fit in, etc.? And there's always yeah. some connection. Tell us a little bit about both of your characters, if you can, and where you both sprang from, who you were connected to, etc. Let's start with with Andrew. Well, I think mine was uh, relatively straightforward because uh, Tiffany, played by Martin McCutcheon, had come in. I think, if I'm saying this correctly, on a relatively low level as a kind of semi-recurring friend of Bianca. And they obviously uh, liked what, what Martine was doing, and rightly so, because she was perfect fit, you know, for uh, EastEnders and a good foil for, for Patsy's character um, of Bianca. And so they wrote her up. Um, and I think they wanted to kind of just, you know, explore the possibilities that she could bring uh, much more. And mine's very straightforward. I think about two weeks before I appeared, she suddenly got a phone call from a brother that no one had ever heard, heard of before. Um, and, you know, Peggy said, who was that? That's my brother, Simon. And then about two weeks later, I appeared. So um, I think it was all relatively um, easy um, because we, uh, the, the Raymonds, Tiffany and Simon Raymond, um, we were a new family. Um, and then, of course, she married into the... Mitchell clan and Terry and Louise, our mum and dad characters, came along later. But initially, um, I was brought in specifically to play Simon as the as the as the third side of the triangle for this great kind of three way love triangle that they were planning to to set up. Mark, to explain where you sprang from, then. Right. Well, I was part of a family. So my aunt. Uh, my character's um, aunt was Kathy, and I was cousins with Ian Beale, and um, and we came we came in. Uh, there was me, uh, Tony, Sarah, and Ted, and Uncle Jimmy, <laughs> if you remember that. And um, I've never heard of Uncle Jimmy. Who's that? Yeah, there was an Uncle Jimmy. He was an Irish um, chap, and uh, yeah, he didn't last for very long. I think for about three weeks. But yeah, we 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 came from uh, the hills were sort of traveling all over, and apparently we were, we had been sort of uh, living in Norwich. And I remember going for the audition and and them saying, "How's your Norfolk accent?" <laughs> and I was like, mm, um, "It's not brilliant." I come from Dartford, which is about a, an hour and a half up the motorway. Is that all right? And thankfully, they they went for that. Um, but in terms of characters, yeah. So there was there was Kath, there was Ian Beale, and um, yeah, the 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 Beals and the Hills were were, were family. My, but I think Mark, I'm right, aren't I, in saying um, you know over the years there had been 
obviously there'd been reference to the fact that she was Kath Hills before she got married. And um, I think there was reference to Ted along the way. And there was this kind of brother that no one had ever met before. So I think it had been sort of drip fed in over a period of time. And then they decided... Yeah, a little bit like you, though. I mean, probably a month before, probably a month before. It, It wasn't that long, I don't think. But yeah, so we came in as a family, and I was a, like I said, I was a bit of a tear away. I was protective, overprotective of my uh, religious uh, sister Sarah, and um, I remember one of my first scenes were, was around this dinner table with <laughs> with them all, really, with, with uh, obviously of Adam Woodyatt, and um, there was Gillian Telforth, Barbara Windsor. Uh, Michelle Collins just it was just incredible to because I'd been a fan for so long to be sitting around a table with all these people and having to you know be required to act as well it was just uh, just a stunning sort of one of my first scenes yeah really good experience fabulous so we've we've established where you came from which is great because it's Mm. sometimes confusing to people thinking who was that and whatever so that's great so when did you two first um, set eyes upon each other then, in terms of the, uh, well, first of all, as, as professionals, had you worked before with each other? Was it, well, was this the first time? And uh, also in the, in, in the programme, where did it sort of, where did, where did it, where, where, where was the, the, the beginnings of this sort of uh, relationship, as it were? Yeah, all the same day. My first day, it was a night shoot, and my first scene was with Mark, where we encountered each other in the square, um, uh, Simon had been the victim of domestic abuse and had bruises on his face and was looking for Tiffany and he happened to bump into Tony. That was, so that was my first scene um, and it was a night shoot so I wasn't called till six o'clock in the evening and um, it was like the first day of school. I'd got up at eight o'clock in the morning and kind of got ready slightly nervous about starting this job and then I didn't have to be in till six o'clock so I phoned the office the production officer said oh could I come in yeah yeah come in we'll show you around and I think Mark had been in shooting other stuff during the day because he'd been in the show for about six months before me I think I think it was yeah six or seven months right and and so it gave us an opportunity to say hello you know in the in the daytime before we walked on to the to the square that night it was a scene on the square um and I remember Mark we sat in that little there was this funny little holding area that had like vending machines and all the poor, old, it, yeah. the poor old extras used to get shoved in there, didn't they? And um, we sat in there on a kind of like cafeteria table and someone said, oh, that's him, that he's playing, he's going to be playing the one you, you get off with in about six months' time. And I kind of, I didn't really know about all these stories that were planned. And um, we sat down and got chatting and, and it sounds like I'm just saying this because he's here, but... We just got on straight away, didn't we? We just, we did. We just sat down and had a bit of a laugh and there was no real sizing up. We both just said, great, nice to meet you and let's try and make this fun. And I was nervous and Mark was very welcoming and very calm, as everybody was in those days, I think. There was no, the the hierarchy did exist, but not in a way that it it kind of affected you on a day-to-day. You know, there were the, the old timers that you gave a bit more respect to and all of that, but kind of in our gang, everyone was very accepting of new people and we just kind of got on with it, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was it was a really friendly time, actually. And and, and, and we, we're talking about sort of uh, castmates as well, but also the team, the producers, the directors, 
just you know costume department makeup department uh, you know i can't say this enough it was just it was just really lovely to come in every morning security guards every just knew everyone it was like a i know people say this all the time but it was like a family and most of the time it was a happy family <laughs> It was. It was. And, but and the, it's funny you should mention the security guards because me and Mark always used to laugh. I don't know if you remember this, Mark, but the security guards always used to call you like Mr. Linford and Mr. Homer when you came in the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. It was all very yeah. BBC polite. But um, yeah. one of them always used to call me Mr. Homer and I never corrected oh, him. Oh, really? The whole three and a half years that I was there, <laughs> uh, I gave up. And he said, good morning, Mr. Homer. And I thought, he, oh, it's one of the gay characters and one of the bisexual characters. Yeah, he obviously got, yeah. got mixed up, you know. But... Um, but no, it was a very happy place. I think for most of the time, most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we were we were um, doing so many episodes. I mean, if, if you were involved in a in a storyline um, like we were, then you were there all the time. And um, I was just lucky to be with Andrew and to be with Martine and to be with people that we've really clicked. We really had fun, but we was also you know, hard workers as well. We we um we really did have the right ethic, I think, and um I, I enjoyed my uh, almost four years so much. It was really a, a special place to be at. Well, you mentioned there that when you both arrived, obviously, you know, you you got your little team that you're working with. But there are other people, mm. of course, have been in the program for a long, long time. And by this point, you know, they become sort of you know, legends, as it were, of soap kind of thing. Um, mm. When you both started there, I know both of you, you know, had acted before and you are professional and all the rest of it, but were there any people that you felt a bit sort of in awe of or you had to pinch yourself and think, I'm here working with this person or that person that I've often admired or whatever? Totally Barbara Windsor. I mean, <laughs> underline it. That was, I mean, I think Barbara was a slightly weird one because... You know, apart from the fact that she's so small, <laughs> when you first meet her, she really is like Barbara in miniature. You're like, oh, my goodness, you're tiny. Um, and Barbara, um, you know, like Wendy, like Pam St. Clement, like those sort of older ladies, like June, have not only been doing, had not only been doing that show for a long time, had been in showbiz for so long, that they uh, live in a world where people come and they go, and they just say, hi, hello, darling, how are you? Da, 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 welcome. Anyway, darling, can I just have a look at the zip on this dress? Because you know, And it's just like, and you're just like in their world within seconds because yeah. that's what they do. They know that people arrive and they come and they go. And in the time that you're working together, you've got to just accept people and, 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 and kind of get on with the job. Um, my first day... Actually, I'm just remembering this as we're saying it. When I was being shown around in the afternoon when I'd gone in early, they a lot of people were on location filming Arthur Fowler's funeral at Watford Cemetery. And about four o'clock, the bus came back and everyone got off it. And I was sat in the costume department and... Wendy and Adam and Pat and everyone walked in, all dressed in black because they'd been filming this this big scene, you know, this farewell to Arthur. And um, I remember Pete Houston, who was the brilliant costume designer who'd been up there for a long time, he said, how did it go, Wendy? And she came <laughs> and she went, oh, Pete, my ass is frozen. That's the first thing I heard her say. And she sat down and pulled this sort of black skirt up and she had all her thermal <laughs> leggings on and everything underneath and sort of kicked her shoes off. 
Um, and when Pete went, oh, by the way, this is Andrew who's coming in to play character. She went, hello, darling, how are you? Da, 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 and then carried on talking. So that was my first meeting of Wendy. But but no, legends were everywhere, you know, and not just people who, you know, you necessarily knew from other shows, but there were just good, strong guest actors. Um, Vivian, now you'll know this, Ashley, because you're good at this. Vivian, she played... Wendy's sister, but she used to be in all the St. Trinian's films. She was in those episodes, and you know, people like that. Yeah, and put us um, on the spot there, Andrew, haven't you? Well, Tom, Tom <laughs> Kingston, people like that, they were all sort of playing these guest characters of distant fowlers that had turned up for Arthur's. Do you know what I mean? It was all that, but yeah, you just sat there going, yeah, oh my yeah, god, yeah. these are like British movie people, you know. You're talking about Wendy Richard. I remember I made the 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 mistake of feeding her dog once in the makeup department. <laughs> I forget what what the name of the dog was. But Shirley, very it was called cute. Shirley, was it? I think Shirley, it was Shirley, it was Shirley after her character in um, uh, Are You Being Served? That, I think that's it. And and yeah, I, and I was like, who's fed Shirley? I was like, <laughs> I was like hiding in the corner. She was such a great character, actually, Wendy. She was she brilliant. Was. She was lovely. She she could be stern, but she was she was yeah. She was yeah, lovely. She but could. she was like a leader. You know, those people that have been in those shows for so long, they automatically become the the, the captains of the ship. You know, and not in a I don't mean that in an egotistical way, but you know, they know it more than anybody else. They've been there longer than the producers that are currently working on the show. Well, well yeah, Andrew, what, what uh, I got that from June Brown. June, Because well, I think yeah. she she had just, she had, had just started again, hadn't she, after right. having she quite a lengthy while we sort of were in the show. We, was, we were so excited about June coming I, back. I know, we? I know. But, but what, what um, reminds me of that is that she really, you know, she was... Pretty insistent on certain things, like in in the script. It's like, um, you know, I, I know my character better than than than, than most others. And um, she she was, she, I think, one particular day in the canteen, she she was a little bit upset because, um, you know, they wanted her to go down a certain direction, and she was really sort of adamant that this wouldn't wouldn't be right for her character. And um, in the end, I think, you know, she she um went to see the bosses, and and she got that sorted. But yeah. Whereas we were just we we were so so young and so sort of um, eager to please, I guess we I, like in in terms of costume and stuff, I'd put on anything. <laughs> and some, unfortunately, we really... saw the results. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My orange jacket, which I still have. The somewhere. orange jacket used to cause a lot of cause a lot of discussion. The orange jacket did it. Well, because you look so horrendous in it. In fact, anybody... Thank you, any, mate. Anybody would, Mark, so don't take it personally. <laughs> I can talk. I, I think Simon lived in the worst knitwear ever seen in Albert Square. I thought you were a cute couple. I think you were great. I think you were brilliant together. Oh. The chemistry was fantastic. I really did. Tuffers. There you are, Tuffers. Like, how do you become a world-class cricketer? How did yeah, that happen? I don't, I don't really know. Hello, hello. Russell T. Davis, how are hey, you? Hey, hello, darling. I'm in my airing cupboard. We never saw this coming. The lunacy of what's going on. Dear God, man. A brand new podcast series where queer as folk star Craig Kelly chats frankly and honestly with celebrity guests about themselves, their lives and how they're coping in lockdown. I'm phoning the legend that is Chris Marshall. 
Hello, mate. Marshall, man. What would you rather eat? A worm sandwich or a slug smoothie? It's got to be a worm sandwich, mate. The protein. <laughs> Kelly's Heroes. Lockdown. Listen now at craigkelly.co.uk. Distinct Nostalgia now offers three new programmes each and every week. Wednesday is now Distinct Nostalgia Soap Day. Loads of retro soap chat with the actual stars who were there. The regular Distinct Nostalgia programme moves to Fridays, with a variety of shows celebrating all our TV and film yesterdays. And then we've got the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz every Sunday from 11. Distinct Nostalgia, three times a week, plus a treasure trove of programmes to listen to anytime at distinctnostalgia.com. And remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk a, a little bit more about the actual storylines then. So you both came in, you got your parts, you got your, you knew where you were and your families and whatever. You'd been told that something was going to happen at some point. What? How did that preparation go? Because you mentioned earlier on, Mark, that, that the backlash that there was. But even to this day, if you go on, if you go on forums and different sites and things, and you 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 know you encounter people who've come across TV storylines about men going off with other men and still mm. being married, etc. The, the 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 hatred is ridiculous. You know, people. There's lots of people who just do not understand how somebody can go from being in a straight relationship and cheat on their girlfriend or wife or whatever with another man, as it were. You know what I mean? There's a lot of. It's still to this day. There's a lot of misunderstanding of bisexuality, a lot of biphobia out there, which is still to be tackled, actually. What what research or what, what sort of support did you get? Or, you know, what, what did you have to do to try and understand what Tony was going through, what he was, what was going to happen to his character? Well, um, th- there was a limited amount of research and things like that that, 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 that I could do. But um, what I would say is just, just the... Uh, it was all in the, the the scripts. It was all in the writing. I mean, there's some of the most beautiful bits of writing, like Tony Jordan, so many others, Tony Baskellop, lots of different writers that, that that were just just put the words in my mouth, really. And um, it, I did do a bit of research, and I did, you know, did 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 that. But um, other than that, it was really just trusting uh, the storyliners and the, the people that were putting so much effort into it. And I think they had plans for this kind of storyline for a long, long time. It, it, I, I, I believe that I wasn't the first person to be sort of spoken about in terms of this bisexual storyline. I think it was it was around for a while. And um, it, but it was it there was it was. It was fascinating because it, there there was a slight pressure because it was like it was so important it was so quite new at the time I re- I really wanted to do it right um, which sounds naff really because of course you want to do do a good job more ever you do but I just I did feel an extra sort of slight pressure in in making this right and what what seemed to come over I thought was that um, again which I think was fairly authentic to people who are bisexual and you can't when I say that it's very difficult to to you know not everyone's the same everyone's got a different story obviously but it mm. felt as though in the way in which you played Tony that you could see that there was there was that sort of the sort of um, the tension between he really you know he really cared for Tiffany and he also cared for yeah. Simon 
and in, yeah. in a way love them both in different you know just in different ways do you know what I mean I felt as though you get that came across in the way you played him actually thank you um th- yes I, I mean there, there a lot of the scripts uh were there was sometimes that there, there was like um a bit of a repetition because it was like ultimately he was confused and uh, Andrew will, will say this too I, I mean I, I did have that uh, you know I did have to say that quite a bit um there's only so many ways you can say I was confused but um what 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 was nice about Tony was that yeah he did have a heart and he did mean well and um he just was you know he, he was just yeah he was in sort of I don't know he was, he was in a lot of kind of agony really as well because he was ringing up sort of um you know gay phone lines and things like that you know in in, in phone boxes it's like and that's that's uh, that's what it was like back then and it was it was you felt like you were on your own i've had so many letters over the years of just people just reflecting that really just like thank thank you for it wasn't me obviously i was i was the face behind it but thank you for for doing that because it it just made me feel like i wasn't the only one absolutely now and andrew with simon again simon was 100% gay wasn't he that was the idea simon was wasn't bisexual at all he was gay yeah and and a lot of gay men do have a problem with people being bisexual they find it difficult you know i've i've been in relationships where i've told my partner i'm gay and it's it's ended the relationship completely because they just couldn't cope with it. Luckily, I'm with somebody now who is happy with it and all the rest of it. But I think you reflected that a little bit because Simon would would get very frustrated, wouldn't he, with Tony in terms of how he sort of was dealing with things. Just take take tell us a bit about your character and how you portrayed him in that in that way. I think I think that's right, and I think as well we have to everything we're talking about today. We have to keep putting it into context of nineteen nine mid nineteen nineties when we didn't have mobile phones. Never mind internet um, chat rooms and dating and stuff like that. Um, as Mark's just alluded to, I think there were scenes where Tony was sort of buying top shelf magazines and going to phone boxes to phone 0800 numbers, if anyone's old enough to remember that. Um, yeah, totally. Wasn't it 0898 originally? 0898. Yeah. There you go. Clear. I didn't, yeah. Maybe I didn't phone them as often as other people. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you didn't need to. <laughs> confident. But, but it, I think it's important that we remember that because without wanting to make it sound like uh, anything is easier today because nothing is easy Uh, everything affects people differently but there's not there wasn't an accessibility to being able to meet other people or talk to other people possibly in a way that there is now and so a lot of the scenes had to be you know was Tony confident enough to walk into a gay pub or whatever, you know. Um, And I think for somebody like Simon, who had come out of a long-term relationship with an older man, character called Howard, although there was the domestic violence aspect to that, you know, I think he'd sort of been living the life. He was, um, you know, he lived with a gay older uh, partner. And so I think was very adept at pubs and bars and this is my partner and all that kind of thing. Um, so Yeah, then, the, to- the total extreme. Yeah. Uh, the so extreme opposite to Tony. To fall for somebody who really, you know, obviously he did fancy initially and despite the danger aspect of him being the sister's 
uh, partner um, clearly started to develop stronger feelings for Tony and decided it was kind of worth pursuing. I think then was very frustrated and angry that if he was prepared to kind of, you know, like almost sacrifice his relationship with his sister, what was the big deal with Tony not just confronting us to who he was and being honest and and being out and proud and all those things that sound like very 80s and 90s kind of phrases now? Um, why couldn't he just do that? So I think the writers were were, were correct in trying to include that kind of slightly gay prejudice towards bisexuality and really have a young gay character kind of saying, I don't get it because, you know, preju- prejudice comes from all areas of society, you know. Indeed, and it all came to a head, didn't it, in the pub? I got a speech in the Vic. It was very dramatic. Yeah. I was very, that was a nerve-wracking day because although I'd been there for like a year and a half or whatever, suddenly it's one of those weird scenes where you're like, oh, hello, the whole cast of EastEnders while I do this big speech. Um, and then uh, running out the door and well that was that came out of the homophobia um, and the actual bullying yeah. and the brick through the window and the graffiti and all that which I got, obviously uh, yeah I got uh, gay bashed that's right uh, and Tony yeah. and, of, and of the pair of them the one who got gay bashed was Tony um, which obviously confused him and upset him even more when he wasn't confident in who he was anyway at that stage so again what, what were, confused were lots... me more than than anything was that i got beaten up by like <laughs> like boys own they were oh, the we tiniest to, lot we used to call them the boy bands, didn't we because they cast yeah. these five lovely lads uh one i know only one were. had only one could have dialogue all the others were extras weren't they so yeah, one, yeah, so yeah. one was like one was like the Ronan Keating, and all the others yeah. were just like, but they're all so good looking. I we know. Like, I, it's we, not what I imagined we would like, be. But Tony, it was, Tony could have literally squashed them, quite frankly. Well, it was, like, it was funny because I was like, I was like, at least let me punch one. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, the director, I think it might have been Philip Casson um, at the time, was saying, no, 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 you've got, just take it. <laughs> and I was like, well, can I just... Fr- <laughs> All I could do at the at the end of the day was throw my chips at them. That's what, that, I was allowed to do that, and I was like, "Oh come on, just let me have one." But uh, and you've yeah. got and you've got to know we're being all very earnest about it, and because it's important. And and remember again, context. EastEnders was the biggest show. You know, Channel Five hadn't even launched yet. We had four channels, and 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 we were really thrashing Coronation Street in the ratings and all that. And it was Britpop era and. Tony Blair said we were cool, you know, it was all that thing was going on. So we were part of this fantastic moment in EastEnders history. But, oh my God, we did have a laugh. I mean, when they threw that brick through the window, how many times did we have to do that? Because it bounced, the rubber brick (laughs) bounced, you know, in through the living room and all of that. I mean, we we did have fun doing it. We We did did have a lot of laughs. At least you were gay bashed on the the show, Mark, uh, as Tony. But of course, sadly, your predecessor Gary Hales, who played uh, Barry with you know Colin and Barry, was actually attacked in real life, wasn't he? So you know, ten years on, luckily he didn't get that. Or did you get a backlash? Yeah, Where yeah. did people come up to you in the street and things like that? No, uh, look at the start of this. I was saying that about the reaction, um, but that was very the negative reaction was in in the tabloids. The actual reaction from the public, on the whole. Um, I would say ninety percent was amazing. They they were just re- you know just really really supportive, 
and love the storyline. But yes, there's always an element. There's always an element. And um, yeah, I used to, you know, going pubs and I used to get, you know, lads, beard up lads sort of like chanting and things like that and stuff like that. But on the whole, it was a positive thing. Um, but yeah, there was, I, I knew there were certain pubs I, did, I didn't go into. I chose not to go into. I can imagine. And, and on, the, on the set, of course, in terms of the actual storyline, um, there was a reaction, wasn't there, from the old guard? And, you know, you had uh, uh, Peggy who wasn't particularly happy about it all. And, and Pauline had a thing to say about it. And, and Dot, yeah. although she'd, she'd been through Colin and yeah. Barry, she was like, ooh, you know, she, so there wasn't, so it was reflected in terms of how a certain generation may react to it. And just reflect on that because that was interesting to see, you know, because we, I always think of, you know, Barbara Windsor playing, you know, this great character in the carry ons kind of thing. And then suddenly she was playing mm-hmm. a very serious character that was actually a bit prejudiced. And I was thinking, that's not Barbara. Of course, it yeah. wasn't Barbara. It was Peggy. But you know what I mean. So it was reflected in the in the soap itself, wasn't it? It was yeah, within the characters. It was definitely. I mean, I I was being. I, I we haven't mentioned the Mitchell brothers yet, have we? Blimey! I mean, I was I was constantly being sort of you know chased by Uncle Phil, <laughs> who couldn't. Which is like now you watch it today. It's 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 still happening, isn't it? His son um, is gay, isn't he, Ben? Um, but um, yeah, and he, he's my cousin. He's Tony's cousin, which I find a bit odd that that's. I don't know. I, I don't watch the program religiously, but I find it slightly, in terms of historic content, a little bit strange that no one's mentioned the fact that um, I think that happened to your cousin actually. <laughs> um, no, totally not in an egotistical way, but just in a historic. Well, maybe it's time to bring you back. Time to bring you back. There you go. <laughs> well, well, hasn't Auntie Caff opened a gay bar or something? I'm not Someone sure. I've, 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 I've lost uh, track recently, but, uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so what, what, Andrew, you reflect on how the other characters responded because there was some, you know, they were quite uh, feisty about their views, weren't they, on these matters? They were. And again, you know, obviously that was important because what you can't do uh, in good drama is have. Uh, you, you have to have conflict um, and as much as obviously the, the point of having this storyline was to to show something and hopefully make it socially more acceptable um, within the telling of it you need to reflect all sides of the argument and I do actually remember Barbara um, being a bit oh you know I've got to do all this not accepting you know the gay or bisexual characters and, and obviously she has a massive gay following and she's one of the most brilliant campist people you could ever meet. Um, and I know that, you know, she was always very good, obviously, at separating Barbara and Peggy, but there was that moment where you kind of go, oh, hang on, I'm not known for this. And, and how does that reflect? I think she's actually reflected on that in a few interviews, actually, where she said she was worried about that at the time. But I think I think in a good way, it was written... Because, of course, what we have to remember is, I think, uh, by about this time, and I can't remember the timeline, is Grant become father to her granddaughter by then and you know so there's that all that crossover of it was, it was around about the Simon, same time i think it was slightly before that but so yeah, simon is weeks. then part of that family because she's the he's the brother-in-law or whatever blah 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 you know so mm. so i think that 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 is something that was interesting to reflect on as part of the story you know a, a gay a gay character entering her family and being really part of her realm and what that would mean um but yeah i think like i say you can't you can't have good drama without conflict so they had to do all of that stuff 
let's talk a little bit about Blackpool then, because that was a big moment. It was, it was, it was set up as a really big moment in the in the show, wasn't it? Uh, tell us a bit about how that came about and. You know, you're saying, uh, Mark, that you were filming at, what, five in the morning or something. Was that right? Tell yeah, me, it was very early it. in the morning. It was freezing. People, you know, used to say, oh, you know, what was it like? What was the kiss like on, on Blackpool Pier? It was just freezing. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. The makeup ladies used to, like, they go, so we go for a take, and the makeup ladies used to rush up and wipe our noses. Because, you know, when your nose is yeah. so cold and you've got a bit of a dew drop and they'd rush up and you'd be like oh my god this is how romantic is this yeah (laughs) i know i know the kiss wasn't really that long it was just a a, a second kiss but we just got stuck to each other (laughs) (laughs) and you know what i have to i have to say it would it was just part of that story and although obviously in the script that was the big duff duff duffer because um martin's character walks up and nearly catches them but doesn't or whatever but yeah. the actual filming of it would just actually just felt like another scene, really. And um, without wanting to make it sound like we're such cool actors or whatever, we just kind of went, well, do you know what? It's just the scene is the scene. Let's not make a big deal out of it and um, and get, get on and shoot it. And I think everyone on the crew kind of approached it really mm, professionally. Yeah. And again, context, context. You've got to remember there hadn't been any any gay characters really in anything kissing um, since Colin and Barry, because none of the other soaps had done it. Um, the, there was Brookside, wasn't there? The, like, the, the Anna Friel story was happening yeah, about Anna Friel, the same yeah, time. Yeah. So, how, so what yeah. did you, how do you how do you both rate each other as kissers then? <laughs> Andrew's rubbish. Like, well, no, no, no. let me for a second. <laughs> I tell you something. Again, I'm remembering this as we as we do it, um, as we speak about it. Uh, I used to smoke in those days. Um, cigarettes oh, yeah. and, and I was yeah. and I said to you I promise you I won't have a fag before we do we, we admit didn't we, we so all I was waiting we respectful all I was waiting for really was for them to go great that's it we've got it and I was like give me where's my fags you know so I remember being desperate <laughs> desperate to smoke a cigarette while I was on the on the pit um, well what can I say listen I love Mark to pieces so I could never say anything other than he's Thanks, mate. one of the best kissers He's the best kiss I've ever had at three o'clock in the morning in Blackpool. Hey, that's it. Go. That's it. There it you go. came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember I got myself into a little bit of um, difficulty with Martine um, back in in the day when we was in the program because someone said, "What was it like kissing, um, you know, kissing Simon?" And I was like. Well, do you know what? It was just the same as kissing Tiffany. It's like there's about 20 people behind you. There's a lot of pressure on you. You're just, you just do it. It's just your job. And, <laughs> and of course, I think it was TV Quick or one, one of those. Uh, it, there was a headline saying, uh, kissing Tiffany is like kissing a bloke. <laughs> so Marty came around and said, what's all this about? Brilliant. I was like, Brilliant. totally taken out of context. Yeah. <laughs> So tell, tell us a bit more about Blackpool then, because I want to talk about Tiffany in a moment and, and, and Martin McCutcheon. But yeah, what, tell us a bit about a bit about what happened in Blackpool. Tell us the scenario. They'd all gone to Blackpool. What was the reason for going to Blackpool? What was the? Uh... It was a, for a jolly, wasn't it? It was just literally to get away from everything, um, was, I, in, I, if I remember rightly. In the tradition of the program, the bank holiday, August bank holiday uh, episodes usually took characters out of the square. So I think mm. it was part also of a tradition of we'll take the 
the Wolford Brat Pack, as they called us for a while, and, and sort of dump them somewhere else and, and see what happens with some of these existing stories. But yeah, I think story-wise, it was let's have a break, let's get away, um, because Tony and Simon weren't together then, obviously, uh, but you was, your character was out all the stuff with the baby and... Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, what it was, I think it was, um, Tiffany was going to clear her head. Um, one of the, the first episodes in, in Blackpool on the Monday or whatever, it was Tuesday back then, was the, the fact whether she was going to keep the baby. It, it was that. Because um, I remember the, the duff-duffer, we call it, <laughs> um, at, at the end of the first episode was, I've decided to keep the baby. Um, so there was there was a lot of going on. Obviously, my sister was having um, religious problems, and uh, Paul Nichols Joe, was in it. Paul yeah, Nichols Joe was going was a bit doolally, wasn't he? Uh, Dan Dan the drugs man was in it. Carl Pitsy, yeah, yeah, Carl Pitsy, and yeah, his lovely yeah. girlfriend character Melanie, which was played by um, our mate Kirsty Kirsty yeah. Senior. She lovely she Kirstie. was in it. Um, so it was a lot of stories sort of coming. To coming to a head, really, which is what I think East End used to do really well. Was it kind of built to this big crescendo, and then you put it into yeah. a different context, and everything kind of explodes in one. Final the only person that didn't really have a storyline that that went was was Patsy was Patsy, um, but the, obviously Bianca was there purely for comedy and uh, and as the know, foil made it, made it to um, uh, Martine, obviously, to kind of have those good yeah. chats and all of that. Mm. I watched um, that duffed up episode uh, in the allows this morning, actually, as I was preparing for this interview. And and uh-huh. basically, you two had just been kissing, and then they came. They came. Um, they'd been somewhere else, but uh, Bianca and um, and um, Tiffany, and they came up. Yeah. And they, that's when they announced. She announced that she was keeping. She was going to keep the baby, and and the, the look on your two's face, particularly. Um, Andrew's face as Simon was like, "Oh my God, you know, I've just been, I'm kissing, you know, I've just been kissing my my, uh, my sister's <laughs> brother, kind of." And that was the yeah. that was the moment. So when did when did when did Tiff? I can't well, I can't remember it. I do remember watching those Blackpool episodes because me and my partner mm. were in Wales for the weekend, and I said, oh, "We must watch EastEnders," even though he wants to do something else. Um, did um, when did Tiffany actually discover that um, you were? seeing Simon and how did all that play out? I can't remember that bit. Well, about a month later, was it? It was a few weeks after she caught us uh, kissing in the front room of our, um, our pad. Um, and then she, she literally ran out and run into the arms of Grant. And that's when she moved in with Grant and she said, it's your baby <laughs> in true soap fashion. <laughs> and I, I remember it was again, you know, everyone will say this who works in soap, you're shooting so fast, um, but you are shooting with the best people. And I just remember, you know, how some of the camera angles and stuff really built all that drama. And there was a brilliant thing where, you know, we're we're kissing and, and, and you cut to footsteps of Tiffany walking up the front thing and then it cuts back to us and then her key in the lock and then you know we, and we pull apart and as we pull apart we don't realize but she stood there with this look of horror on her face and this kind of like sort of blurred shot and she comes into focus and all that and and it was just brilliant really i mean just brilliantly shot and written and like mark said she turns on her heel and rushes to grant and says it was your baby all along grant and all that you know and and it just sets up the next lot of drama brilliantly you know 
This is Distinct Nostalgia by MIM, the home of a regular quiz testing your TV and film knowledge. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, so can you ask me some questions on that, please? I absolutely loved Pip Play. Was that presented by Susan Strength? I'd like to have some questions about Coronation Street in the 90s. How would you like to be crowned Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month and win a Distinct Nostalgia mug in the process? If you think you could answer random questions on both a chosen subject and if you get to the final TV and film general knowledge, then drop us a message now on the contact page of the Distinct Nostalgia website, distinctnostalgia.com. Dear Miss Jones, may I call you Clementina? Firstly, may I say how nice it was to meet you in the park yesterday. Distinct Comedy presents Letters from one Border Terrier pup to another. Apparently, socks that cannot accommodate toes because they have large holes where said toes should be fail to fulfil any real purpose. Based on true events seen through canine eyes. I now know that I'm definitely afraid of both heights and, not surprisingly, of big ladies. Dear Clementina, New episodes every Thursday. Available to listen now at distinctnostalgia.com. Sincerely yours, Stanley Burke. Woof! So when, so when did Tiffany actually end up finding out about, uh, about uh, her brother having a relationship with her partner? I believe it was about three or four weeks after that. I, I think um, maybe a little, little sooner. But she, she literally found us kissing. Uh, we were in the front room of our flat, and she literally, like, was obviously shocked. And she ran out of the the flat, literally into the arms of Grant Mitchell. And then from then on. It was all about um, she was living with Grant and it was whether it was it Tony's baby or was it Grant's baby. And in the end, we all know the answer to that was Courtney was Grant's baby, unfortunately, from Tony. Do you remember, um, Mark, that it, and this is this is when you know EastEnders is it's clever you know people who write it are clever scriptwriters and they construct it really well because coming back from Blackpool, the bus broke down or something. So there's this shot where we're all turning up at like seven o'clock in the morning and having this overnight at a transport cafe or whatever. And it's all a bit weird between the two characters. And my character says, I'm going to go to the cafe and get some breakfast. And someone says, there's a bloke looking for you. And it's Howard, the abusive previous partner That's for Simon, right. yeah. who's turned up out of the blue to say, I'm going off to start a new life in Scotland or something. Do you want to come with me or not? Can we make a go of it? And there's this moment for Simon where he kind of looks to Tony and what might be, although it's got a lot of danger around it, versus going back to this life which he doesn't want. And so he says, no, actually, I won't. I've got a life here now. Thank you very much. So, again, it's all these little things that you go, actually, it does make sense that Simon would prefer the difficulty ahead versus an abusive one. But they still bring that element in to make it make sense. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I just... That adds a lot of depth to the character then, doesn't it? It does, because otherwise you'd be sitting at home going, Simon, what are you doing? Just go and find somebody who's not going to cause you all this grief, you know? Um, so... Yeah, I just, I'm just, rem- again, I'm remembering these things as we talk about it. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. really was well written and well constructed. And we were really lucky to, 
really have such a massive storyline to carry ourselves because there were no Mitchell brothers really in any of that story until no. it was time for them to come into it or no Peggy Andrew, or whatever. Andrew, am I remembering right? Uh, was it Manchester? Was Manchester the the the, the breakup of, of, of Tony and Simon? Didn't you go up to Manchester to visit a friend? We did Bobby? used to laugh because whenever it got a bit difficult for Simon, he always bu- buggered off to Manchester, who we never we never saw. But he used to talk about his friend Tariq. Do you remember? Tariq, we were like, yes. we're like, who's Tariq? When's Tariq going to come into this? You know? And Tariq, bless him, never never um, turned up, did he? We don't know. But no. I remember we were filming something on Borehamwood High Street and they put two palms outside a a shop and it was meant to look like a club in Manchester <laughs> or something. Um, so there must have been something happened. Because Simon had another boyfriend. Simon had Chris for a while. That's it, yeah, yeah. Now, when you were away in Manchester, Tony, uh, I remember very vividly, um, the, the, the episodes were directed by Sue Tully, who was Michelle, um, and they were brilliant. She, she was such, she's such a great director. And at that time, Tony got drunk with Frankie in the pub. Um, Cyan Blake, um, God rest her soul. Um, yeah, and um, that's that's what happened to to that. And her character was also having it off with Carol Jackson's husband, Alan, wasn't? So there was all of that. Yeah, 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 all of that yeah. thing was going on as well. I do, oh, I do, yeah. I do remember. Yeah. See, I do remember a scene in which. Um, uh, Tony, who, to be fair, if you look at the two characters, I always felt that Tony was the softer one in a way, in terms of he was a bit more emotional, really, than than Simon was. Although Simon had particular views and things about being gay and all the rest of it, Tony seemed to be the most vulnerable one of the two in in a way. Yeah, and he was there was that, there yeah. was a bit where I think Simon had gone off somewhere and he'd come back, and I think your relationship was in a bit of a hiatus. And Tony was really worried that Simon had gone off, had been sleeping with somebody while he was away and all the rest of it. And I think Simon um, did actually reveal that he had slept with somebody or something, but it didn't mean anything and that he still wanted to be with Tony. Do you remember, do you remember that? That sounds like Simon. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? Honestly, actually, Mark and I, um, Mark and I talk quite regularly, obviously, and we're good friends. But when we said we were going to talk to you today, we did have a brief conversation saying... Do you remember that? And honestly, the pair of us are getting terrible at remembering specific <laughs> storylines and so on. It's probably because we're so old, as you mentioned at the start of the uh, start of the interview. Um, do you know what? I don't specifically remember that. I do know that, again, in the writing, they were always very kind of sensible because we were meant to be 21-year-olds or whatever, and it wasn't like we want to settle down and get married. It was like we're trying to work this out, and in the meantime, the character might sleep with somebody else or might be trying out something else. Uh, to then realise that they do actually want to be together. So again, I think it was sensibly done. So I'm sure you're absolutely right. There was all this kind of, you know, sort of open relationship until they decided that they wanted to really settle down and be together. And do you know what? That when we actually left the square, well, that was that was lovely. It, for the first time, Tony was actually saying, "I'm gay, and I love you, and I want to be with you." For, for you know, however long Simon was was in the program, that hadn't happened until then, and it was a really nice. I, I don't know, speaking for Andrew, but it was just a lovely end to to, to um the storyline to to the character. And it was in the laundrette because I'd said quite loudly 
I've never had a scene in the laundrette where does Simon do his washing? I've never, we've never, <laughs> we've never set foot in the laundrette. And so they wrote our kind of final scenes all took place in the laundrette quite late at night. I remember that. That's it. That's it. And we, do you know what? What was a lovely touch? We were involved in the the, the storyline actually. The, the actual end. They they did uh, sort of um, ask us for our input, didn't they? And um, all sorts of things like that, which was really lovely of them to do. And uh, yeah, they were they were really nice, touching scenes for for um for, for our journey. Really, I'll ask a bit. I'm going to ask a bit more in a second about your your leaving. But let's just reflect briefly on Tiffany. You know, a lot of programs today we we have a lot more. There's more and more soap constantly on the go at the moment in terms of you know Coronation Street five days a week and EastEnders four days a week. Although of course in the lockdown, not as many episodes, but generally you sometimes watch the programs now and you think oh god would that character really have done that uh, but back then things were about the characters and i thought it was great that tiffany you know she didn't carry on hating simon and tony for what they'd done she actually came round to it didn't she and she was eventually very supportive of their relationship and i thought that was that was quite sweet in many ways yeah that's right and i think again referencing you know how well it was constructed um, although all of this had happened, and again, I might not have my timeline quite quite right here, but, you know, the abusive dad, Terry, turned up again. And so you kind of think, well, these two would have to stick together despite whatever else is going on because there's an alcoholic, abusive father who in the past, we think, was responsible for beating up Tiffany um, because she'd got pregnant or whatever the story was. Um, and so I think, again, it kind of made sense that they had to let some kind of bygones be bygones because the next adventure was about to happen and the next dilemma was about to befall them. So they did have to stick together to face the next thing. Um, and not only that, I think that the way it was written, you know, it was angled that there would be a period where Tiffany and Grant would kind of settle down and kind of be happily married until their next drama, which meant that the Tony and Simon characters could have their domestic thing and could explore what that might might be. And that's and I think that, then I think that's when Tony went off and works on the Wolf Gazette and all that stuff. So so you you have to let those things kind of settle again, so the next instalments can can happen for those for those characters. But it would make perfect sense that. Tiffany would forgive and, you know, make up with with Tony and Simon, particularly Simon, because of their history. And also, remember, her focus would then become the baby and Courtney and all of that. So that becomes the most important thing. So the other things matter less, don't they? And of course, your characters help to lead on to, to two other great characters. You just mentioned Terry there. But there was also, of course, Tony's mum as well, Irene. Yeah. Who yeah, became a great yeah. double act, didn't they, on the show? No, they were amazing. It's funny that Andrew just mentioned that um, Terry Gavin Richards. Um, when he first started, uh, when he was in the first block, he was really sinister, like Andrew's just said. Uh, he he was really dark. I, I think that the the producers saw the comic potential in Gavin Richards and 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 Roberta Taylor, the play on mum. And they just went with it and they flew with it. And they were just like <laughs> any scene that we were in, that they were in, it was just so much fun. It really was. And of course, they were both actors who'd been around a long time as well, hadn't they, before this? Yeah. And, and they were 
you know, the, 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 I mean, I think Irene was fantastic. She was, you know, she's brilliant character, really, really good character. Yeah. Quite, quite oh, missed, I think, because I, I think she could have carried on in the program for a, a long time, really. Um, in terms of your two, that your two, who decided, who, who decided that you were going to depart? Then that the, the, the storyline was over, and that was it. Was it you two who wanted to leave, or was it the show, or what was the reason for that? It was a it was a, a change of um, times really at the program um, in the setup of the uh, BBC and the production staff, and I think you know Mark and I were sensible enough to feel like an era might be coming to a bit of an end, um, yeah. which is what those shows have to do. They have to kind of morph into the next stage and and a fresh pair of eyes from whether it's the head of drama for the whole of the BBC or the new exec on the programme, you know, and they want to bring their people and they want to do their thing. And what you don't want to do is feel like a bit of a leftover from a bygone part of that programme's history. And although, you know, there was no talk directly about the characters coming to an end, we'd sort of had a low-level discussion um, and as Mark said, we talked about some story ideas. Um, and I mean, I'm speaking from, from my point of view and Mark, you know, might, might be different, but I had a sense that they might be thinking, was it time for the, for the characters to finish? And so we kind of got in there first and said, you know, we'd consider maybe um, the outcome of, of, of this and, and, and maybe think about ending the story and what do you think? And they, they kind of didn't fight it, but they were also very supportive of it as well. So I think it was, it was I know it sounds like a cliche, but I think it was a mutual um, agreement. And then actually they had to keep, I remember, this is boring, but I remember I had sort of come to the end of a contract and they had to write me another sort of month-long contract to write us out properly. So I think they wanted to do it in a good way and not just like, you know, sometimes people go to Manchester and never come back. <laughs> so, um, so it was done uh, quite well, I think. Yeah, and I, I do think that, um, well, we had Blackpool and we had, and then a, a couple of years later or maybe a year and a half later, we had Norfolk, which um, it, it wasn't Tiffany this time. It was <laughs> Teresa DeMarco. It was the DeMarcos chasing me, not the Mitchell brothers. And it was almost like it, was, it wasn't a replica, but it was it was it felt like it was going in the same direction as, as, as before. We kissed on location at three o'clock in the morning again. We, we did, on a, by a tree, I think. <laughs> Under a tree. <laughs> the budget had gone. <laughs> I'd, given up, I'd given up smoking by then, but my hay fever was bad. I remember that. <laughs> and I, I think the writing on the wall, uh, yeah, that was the writing on the wall, kissing on by a tree with Andrew, I think. I was like, I can't. I can't kiss him again. Where, where, where can I kiss him if I've kissed him in Blackpool and Norfolk? That sounds very rude, Mark. Be careful what you say. Just, just reflecting, <laughs> just, just reflecting on on gay by sort of storylines around sexuality generally, though. Mm. Do you? I mean, obviously, there's been several gay characters now over the years in in, um, in EastEnders. There was, um, mm. there was, there's been several since you, since you two were in, in in it. But they all, none of them seem to. I mean, we'll see what happens with Ben Mitchell, but none of them seem to stay for very long in fact your two stay for quite a long time actually in the scale of things in many ways you know they're three or four years but mm. it's the same in just about all the soaps apart from uh anthony cotton in um in coronation streets and he's he's there all the time but he never seems to have much of a relationship or anything generally um the history of 
gay stroke bisexual storylines. It might be getting better, but has been that they've been generally short lived. Do you think that's a shame? Definitely. Oh, too right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember there was there was a, just a brief period, Andrew, where where we were just doing normal things like 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 everyone would. You know, we was a relationship. We were you know getting up, making toast, doing just doing th normal things. And we were like, how long is this bliss going to last? When we were getting kind of ready to leave, so about three and a half, four years for you, about three and a half years for me, whatever it was, they had brought in that lovely actor, play the Doctor. Jimmy Mystery. Jimmy Mystery, who, you know, was the star of East is East and all those things. Yeah. He came in and there had been, apparently, an idea that Simon and him were going to end up together. I didn't know this. And you do then think, well, maybe that's an echo of something that carried on and became the Asian Muslim story that and then happened oh, later yeah. on. I don't know. But there was a thing about that. And then I don't think his character lasted very long. And I hope that, <laughs> I hope that wasn't because we decided to leave. But, um, but yeah, uh, maybe there would have been a lo uh, even longer journey for them. But, you know, I think, I think it ended at a good moment. Just the final final couple of questions then. So um, you two are, you know, 20 odd years on. <laughs> um, could you ever see Simon and Tony returning to the square, as it were, maybe to see Ben Mitchell or whatever uh, as older, <laughs> older men? I mean, it'd be nice to see actually older gay and bisexual characters uh, portrayed in, in a mainstream serial. So maybe, you know, what do you think? Do you think you could, could, think you could return in some way? Well, do you know, I think we sort of touched on this earlier, which is, uh, Mark's character is still very much connected to uh, existing characters in EastEnders today, and, and and really big characters like Kathy and and uh, the the uh, Ben Mitchell and people like that. Um, I think Simon isn't so much, although is Courtney still in it as a grown up? I can't remember because he's he is Courtney's uncle, obviously. Um, I think she was in it. I'm not sure if she's not. She still is. So, so my question would be: Is how um, and, and and what circle would would Simon move in? But I think that you know it's soap. You can do anything in soap, and you can you can bring people hey, back for whatever hey, reason. Yeah. So, if my auntie Cap was brought back from the dead. That's true. The dead, then you know anything can happen, can't it? Yeah, no, I, I would. I, I, I've never said never, and uh, I had. Look, we both did. Uh, we, we had a fantastic time on that. So yeah, I would. I would be open to it. Where I'm still, still acting, still doing bits and bobs, you know, films and and TV and uh, and theatre and stuff. And of course, I'm. Um, I'd be open to see what's what Tony has been up to and Simon, yeah. Definitely. See, that's the difference. See, Mark's still a really great actor who does loads of really great work. I'm, I'm now working oh, in, you, in casting and uh, I worked as a director and a writer before that. So I haven't really done any uh, screen acting, certainly, uh, or any kind of acting for about 15, no, 13 years, something like that. So um, I'd have to... Oh, it's like riding a bike. I have to have a practice if they did ever ask us. Yeah, just put put your cardigan on and you'll be away. <laughs> and look miserable. <laughs> <laughs>
So, 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 so the final inevitable, inevitable question then is, you know, just looking back on it, um, you know, you both spoke, spoken very affectionately here. And uh, this is the final question before I let you both go back into self-isolation as we're all having to do at the moment, as it were. Yeah. Um, what, um, you know, when you look back on it in your careers and your lives, what impact did it overall have on you um, having, spending that, that period of time in, in EastEnders? Um, Andrew first. It had a massive impact and a massive effect. Um, and again, contextualising it, um, it was a really big deal then. I mean, it still is a big deal now. But 18, 19 million people used to watch EastEnders religiously, which I think at the time somebody said meant that one in three people watch the work that you're doing on a regular basis. And there were these crazy moments where, you know, you'd get, thousand school kids turn up because you were shooting something on location or I remember you know getting stuck in a restaurant because people were banging on the window and shouting out Simon Simon and had to be taken out through the kitchen you know and all this kind of stuff which which sounds really kind of superstarish but but these things did did kind of happen so for a for, for a period of time um you are forced to live a very different kind of life but in regards to the work um, how wonderful to be a young actor and get people seeing the stuff that you're doing and being given this responsibility for these really great storylines written by some of the best writers and directed by some of the best directors in the business. Um, and I just think it's a real accolade to have and I feel very grateful um, for it. Um, I think at the time it was difficult to leave EastEnders and go straight into something else, not in the way that changed and it became very fashionable to do that. So there was that sort of downside as well. But, you know, we all did okay and we all continued to work. And, you know, I met Mark, who's been like one of my best friends now and will continue to be one of my best friends, eh, for the rest of my life, um, and work with some really amazing people. And I feel very lucky um, to be remembered for being part of it in such a golden era. Fabulous. And Mark? Oh, a massive impact, massive impact. My daughter uh, was born in 98, so it was the, my last year on EastEnders. Um, I always think of that when she was born. Uh, as soon as she was born, I came back to, to set and did a few scenes uh, with the DeMarcos. I remember that re really well. But I look back on it, oh, um, 25 years since I started uh, the show, and it was just immense. I just had such a good time um, to be part of that hub, the, the creatives that were involved in it, the writers, the directors, the producers, the actors. I mean, I've met so many really, really long-term friends now. Uh, Andrew, Brian Croucher, um, you know, there's, there's, there's loads. Uh, Richard Ellis, who plays Hugh, played Hugh, uh, Daniela Denbiash, my sister, just people that I really hold, um, close to my heart. And I've had a lot of different brilliant experiences on other shows since and films and things, but, uh, EastEnders will always be special to me. It really will. And just finally, to both of you, reflecting on the fact that it's 35 years since EastEnders started, and 60 years for Coronation Street this year, but 35 years for EastEnders. Obviously, the viewing figures aren't as big as they used to be because people are doing lots of different things, lots more competition. But they are still huge, massive following it still has. Um, what do you make of that? 35 years and still going strong. 
I think it's, you know, everything has to evolve, like we were saying earlier. And, you know, the, the actual genre of soap is something very different now because we all watch stuff, you know, in catch-up. And really, soap, soap really existed um, around cliffhangers, didn't it? And so the whole of the nation, what do they used to call it, the water cooler moment the next day, where everyone's like, did you see EastEnders last night? What's going to happen? Can't wait till Thursday. Well, that doesn't really exist anymore, but it still finds an audience in in a new way and I think that you know it's maybe drama based a bit more around sound bites and short sharp shock kind of tactics sometimes but that's where we are now and maybe that will change again and, and EastEnders like Corrie and all the other shows will 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 go with the times and they'll find their, the, the, the next style for the next era so um, I think they're always going to be there they're always going to reinvent themselves. They're great survivors, aren't they? Great survivors, the soaps. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally not surprised. I mean, you know, they, they always get the best writers, the, the best creatives. And um, it's hard to keep fresh, isn't it? I mean, let's face it, you know, <laughs> it's hard to be original. <laughs> Wasn't talking about us. <laughs> yeah, naughty boy. Uh, no, but um, yeah. But they, they seem to do it. They seem to pull it off. I, I was looking um, at the show not that long ago. I almost actually um, was a writer for, for, for EastEnders um, about, I think it was about seven or eight years ago. Didn't happen, uh, close but no cigar. But um, it, it, it was that would have been special. But, you know, it, it is a very, very specific, special show that, that really sort of um, tackles so many hard issues. And it's it's so important, and it's still loved to the core, isn't it? Fantastic. Well, I think you've still got the chemistry. I think you could go back in as two older gay men or bisexual men, bisexual gay man, at some point in the future. I'd Let's do it. it. <laughs> we were la- we were last seen in Amsterdam, I think, Andrew. So you know, we we we, we were only in a club. We could definitely too, do too a job. Too worn out to come back, probably, than getting <laughs> Amsterdam, Amsterdam <laughs> for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thanks, guys. Thanks very much. It's been great um, talking to you. As I say, for me personally, I grew up watching you in a particular period of time, which was very reflective of what was going on in my life. So it really does mean a lot to chat to you. And hopefully a lot of other people who are listening to this will also get some of that as well, because, it, you know, um, you know, people say, oh, so, you know, changes attitudes and lives and things but i think it does actually and it's been lovely to talk to you both same here same here thank you thank you it's been lovely thank you for to everyone who watched us back in the day thank you yeah goodbye distinct nostalgia is produced by mim and don't forget we've soap memories every wednesday on distinct nostalgia Meanwhile, coming up this Friday, we're turning the clock back exactly 40 years to a children's favourite from the 80s. Did you have to audition for it? I went to an interview, it was more like LWT. But I do remember this day when we first met the robot outside the studio, very, very distinctly. We're all quite amazed by it. Yeah, I was supposedly his inventor. Actor Ashley Knight joins us to talk about the phenomenon that became Metal Mickey. Boogie Boogie. Get in touch via the Contact Us page on the website. Bye for now. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.